Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. Why are you rolling your eyes at me? I'm not rolling my, your, my eyes at you. The nightcap. It makes me regret that the Flyers are so garbage early in the season. Oh, right. Anybody could be making right. noise right. Right. Yes. Let's let's lament about the Flyers when let's the Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR. Kyle, what is wrong I with you? I can't do this. Sports Radio 550. Oh, uh, you know what that trouble sounds like. It means there is no Sneaky Joe for the nightcap. Welcome to the nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, hanging out with you here today. Our intern, Dan, hanging out. He'll be talking to you on the phone if you end up calling in. So, thanks for joining us here this evening on the Nightcap. Kyle, I'm excited. I'm super excited. I'm very giddy today. And there's really only one reason and one reason for it forever. And that's training camp is about to get started. Training camp starts this week. Football is back. Give me all of the tiny position battles and camp battles and bubble spots and who's going to make the roster cuts. I I'm, I live for this stuff because I'm a dork. It's what you're here for. It's what I'm here for. It's also literally my job to go ahead and uh, look too deeply into these sorts of things. Some people will be like, why do you love looking at the offensive line? I mean, other than the fact that I was one of those as a kid – and uh, growing up, I learned to appreciate watching O-linemen. Also, that line was dreadful last year. This is going to be such a great change of pace. Uh, but anyway, no, it's Bill's camp gets started Thursday morning, as Kyle mentioned in the update. And I am all for it. I am ready for it in the worst way possible. So give me training camp. Let it be Thursday. I'm probably just going to drive down to St. John Fisher myself. Honestly, because why not? And I know there's many people like me. And I'm just going to open up right now. I mean, training camp battles are one of the greatest storylines to get you through a preseason because preseason football is tough to watch for some people, and I get that. There's ways to make sure you can get through it, and one of those is who's winning position battles, who is winning the camp battles, who looks like they could be cut. LaShawn McCoy's name has been popping up interestingly because of the Bills' depth chart at running back. Helping that now is that Frank Gore is on the NFI. I don't think that means that there's anything serious. I do suspect that that means that that helps McCoy's case, certainly. And it allows for this to be, you know, McCoy's job to lose once again. I mean, his most serious competition is Frank Gore, and he's not going to be starting camp on time if he's on the NFI list. So running back is interesting. Offensive line is interesting. Wide receiver is a bevy of players. So what do you think? 803-0550, 1-888-552-550. What could be some of the camp battles that you're looking at? One of those position battles that you're looking at to see what they can do to actually improve. 
And then there was also something else. I was driving around this morning, and I heard Jeremy White say something that really resonated with me. For the first time in what seems like probably four or five years, there is a roster that has been put together that is truly... It's not like this reset sort of thing like the last two years. Yeah, they made the playoffs with one of those rosters, but with Sean McDermott's first two years, there weren't really heavy expectations on winning. There were, okay, it's McDermott's first year. Let's see what they can do. And it looks like they're trading away pieces, so that means maybe they're not really going to be looking for a playoff spot right away. Holy crap, we made the playoffs. The drought is over. Lord hallelujah. Uh, But now, the second year, it's Josh Allen. It's about developing this rookie quarterback. It's about getting this guy to take his lumps. And there's going to be losses that come with that. This year, it is Allen's second season. It is a roster that has been given more ammunition. Not the greatest of ammunition, but more ammunition. You You signed a tight end in Tyler Croft. Unfortunately, he gets started on the pup due to an injury. You add talented rookies like a Devin Singletary, like a Dawson Knox, guys that could possibly be seeing the field as pass-catching options. You sign John Brown. You sign Cole Beasley, who is a big-time kind of guy on the underneath and one of those guys that truly helps create separation, which was one of your problems at receiver last year. The defense is still solid. Returning almost every starter, save for Kyle Williams, who retired. And then you go ahead and draft Ed Oliver. Oh, all right, let's do this. This is the first time in a couple of years that you can, and for the first time under Sean McDermott, that you have a roster worthy of expectation, worthy of competing, worthy of truly being one of those teams that that they better be at the top of that column of in the hunt, if not in that wild card when we're looking at week 10, week 11. This is the first time under Sean McDermott that the roster is ready to go. There's still questions on offense. Of course there is. But not compared to years past. Because it all hinges on the development of Josh Allen. How well is Josh Allen going to do? How well is this team going to do under him? How well is he going to be able to play with his offensive coordinator remaining in place? Something that none of the other rookie quarterbacks from last year get to boast. Allen actually has an advantage over everyone in one certain aspect. This gets me excited to see what Sean McDermott really has to do. We've seen him take a pair of rosters that really weren't all that great and move up the expectations on them, defy expectations even. Now you get a roster that's worthy of expectations, worthy of being a team that you want to see competing for a playoff spot, and now we get to see what he does with that. And that, to me, is truly exciting. That is something to me that I cannot wait to get this season started. Please get through it injury-free, for the love of God. And it makes me it makes me happy. Football's back. Football's back, and maybe it's because of how miserable this last Sabre season ended. It couldn't come any sooner. Yeah, we talked about that season for, what, 10 minutes during the podcast this afternoon, and <sighs> it was like a rain cloud. Yeah. My mood was dampened, and we were talking really only about Evan Rodriguez and uh, and the fact that, well, somehow they decided to sign Gergensons and Larson, and I'm miserable again. Football's back. The Bills, 
managed to end it on a high note last year. Josh Allen is a guy that, as long as he eliminates some of those dumb mistakes as a rookie, that hero ball that he's trying to play every now and then, then let's go. There was something interesting on Twitter today from uh, Michael Kist, who is a uh, a host for an Eagles podcast, BGN, Bleeding Green Nation. And all it says in the caption is, it's first down, Josh. And it's a play where Allen runs around in the backfield and just heaves this one duck up and it's intercepted. Those are the plays that they have to eliminate from Allen's game. Those are the plays that there has to be something there in order to make sure that if Allen's going to improve, those plays have to stop. Now we get to see it for real. Now we get to see what does year two bring us. What does Allen see in that film? What does Allen see on the field? And what is going to happen when that sort of scenario comes around again? Is he going to be able to be smart enough to go, I got to bury this thing. It's only first down. Down in distance, and we have the lead. Let's just kill the play. Deal with it later. And if Allen can create more of those plays where he learns you can live to play another down, you don't have to try to be the hero. You don't have to try to always go for the explosive play. And then having receivers like Cole Beasley who are going to be open underneath certainly going to help. A lot of this season does hinge on Josh Allen. But there is something to be said about position battles, particularly at ride receiver, particularly at running back, and most definitely on the offensive line. 803-0551-888-552-550. Jonathan and Alden getting started here on the nightcap. What's going on? Hey, Dave. Hey, Nate. Thanks for the show. I'm not Nate, man. Uh, <laughs> what? It's Derek here, buddy. Derek, sorry. <laughs> sorry. My bad. Oh, God. I got compared to Geary. My <laughs> okay, Derek. Um, anyhow, um, the position battle I'm looking forward to is um, r- running back because I think the biggest question mark is Singletary and Lashawn McCoy. Lashawn McCoy. I, I just wanted to know if he has anything left in the tank. Can he be somewhat productive, or is he shot? And if he is shot, what do we have in Singletary? And from expectations this year, I predict the nine and seven. If we get progress from Josh Allen, if we fall just a little bit short for the playoffs, I'll be happy. It's going to be hard to make the playoffs with Brady and Belichick in the division, but if we could go 9-7, and seven, get progress from Allen, we're like, okay, sooner or later, Brady will retire. So just get some progress from Allen. Let's see what we have in the running back position. I'll be happy. All right, thanks for the call, Jonathan. And uh, don't worry about it. I forgive you for that, that whole thing. I mean, being called Nate, I just, like, shuddered a little bit. Like, Ugh. Oh, man. Oh, there's, you got the Nate. Yeah, I got the Nate. Yeah. Wow. That was – and there's something impressive on this on this whiteboard courtesy of Joe that was fantastic. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, no, I think and thanks for the call, Jonathan. It's interesting to see this about LaShawn McCoy. I don't think he's shot. I think a lot of the problems last year were truly how dreadful this offensive line was. And only and Chris Ivory did halfway decent with yards per attempt because he's just a guy that is a bowling ball straight down style. For LaShawn McCoy to have success, there's got to be some form of blocking on the backside because he's a slasher through and through. Devin Singletary does a lot of that between the tackles, where he's a guy he likes to find that cutback lane and he likes to attack it. He doesn't have the speed LaShawn McCoy does, or did, even in more particularly with McCoy's career with the Eagles especially, but there's that vision there, that attacking vision, that slashing vision that I saw in Singletary's game that made me very fascinated when the Bills took him. I think that McCoy is going to be fine, as long as the offensive line can hold up. Because you know that Josh Allen play that I just referenced? Mm-hmm. 
something that I took away from that right away was the left guard, Wyatt Teller, allows a stunt to just cross his face, and that's where the pressure comes from Darren Lee, and Josh Allen is now running for his life right away, almost immediately after taking the snap. Yes, Allen has to make a better decision with that football, but for for how many times that Josh Allen had to run and take off based on necessity, if you can cut down some of those plays and then therefore some of those panic decisions, I think things get better. I think things get better if the offensive line is allowed to uh, is capable, excuse me, of doing a little better run blocking. And that is one of the biggest things that I'm looking for. Is it's all for me about this offensive line and how much it can gel. How much can it improve? Deion Dawkins is the lone holdover of the starters. And honestly, he better be. If Bodine has to start, that means that Mitch Morse is injured. If Vladimir Dukas makes this roster, I might give up faith. This offensive line really has to be able to do something incredible here. I mean, you brought in tons of tackles and guards to try to compete for things here. Quentin Spain comes in at guard. Spencer Long comes in at guard. John Feliciano comes in at guard. Ty Insecki can play almost any offensive line position. Cody Ford is a guy that should be competing for a tackle spot on the right side. Ladrian Waddle should be trying to compete for snaps as a starter as an offensive tackle. Just give me something different than what last year's line was. Please, I am begging you. Because that makes this offense so much better when you got that. Allen has to, has less panic decisions, therefore hopefully better plays. The running game can allow to be a better complement than it was last year. And your quarterback doesn't end up your leading rusher. That'd be great to have a normal rushing attack. That's why for me it's really all about the offensive line and what they need to do in order to help make this team better. I'm not worried about the defense. Not one bit. And if the offensive line can do things, that means that hopefully that allows Allen to get better. And then that certainly means that the run blocking and the running game will get better. McCoy will have his step back in the last year of his contract. And McCoy is an interesting thing. Because if he does struggle in the preseason again, There's going to be a conversation had about what to do with him for this year. Do you cut bait? Do you try to find a trade suitor with that cap hit? Yeah, right. It would make things a lot more uh, interesting and not in a good way if McCoy struggles in training camp again. I don't think he will. I think McCoy's still one of those guys. He's done a great job preserving his body throughout the years. He doesn't take massive hits, but yet at the same time, he still knows what he's got to do and how to hit the hole. For a guy who likes to slash between the tackles, it is kind of impressive to see how he has not really taken one of those jarring hits on an often basis there. It's one of those things that is one of the better things that you can enjoy about LaShawn McCoy and his running style. I think McCoy's going to be fine. There are people that don't agree with that. Why did the Bills take Devin Singletary? Is this a shot at McCoy? Is this a sign that he might not make it? Behind McCoy, there is still a lot of questions that have to be answered. What do you do about T.J. Yeldon? 
and Devin Singletary and Frank Gore all being behind him. Are you going to carry four running backs? What's that going to mean for your roster? What's it going to mean for special teams? Because you know Sean McDermott is a huge proponent of special teams. You got to have guys on the bottom of your roster that are going to make sure that they play that third aspect of the football. That's another interesting thing that we definitely have to watch in the weeks and months to come because as of right now, at least, as we stand on July 22nd, Yeldon looks like the fourth string, at least coming into camp. I'm sure a lot can agree with that. His time in Jacksonville, though, he's never really spent a lot of time on special teams. So see, that's another question that we have to worry about. So you have four running backs, possibly, that might be rostered that don't play special teams. Mm-hmm. Or Singletary's going to have to do it. Or Yeldon is going to have to do it in order to preserve a roster spot. And that makes things more interesting because Gore's not going to really be a special teamer guy. McCoy definitely isn't a special teamer guy. Then there's the receivers. What are you going to do there? There's a lot of questions at the bottom of this roster that could affect the depth chart offensively for this team. But now it's the time, now's the time though, that we could start talking about this because training camp is here. And I'm, like I said, I'm being a dork about this right now to start off. I'm looking too much into position battles before they've even snapped the football and strapped the pads on. But that's exactly what that kind of feeling can bring to somebody. I still think, though, that a lot of this will come down, obviously, to Josh Allen. The success that this team will have hinges on the rookie. Uh, the rookie. The second-year quarterback. Wow. Nice job. You're rusty. It's okay. It's July still. Get the kinks out. Knock the cobwebs off. You'll be all right. Yeah. Or I could just make fun of myself. You know, that's that sort of thing. But Josh Allen really is the biggest thing about this. And if he's able to cut down on those mistakes, if he's able to really improve in terms of progressions and reads and being able to make the smart play sometimes and just kill the ball, you know, just throw it out of bounds. You don't need to try to lob something downfield. If he can just improve that part, I don't even need to see him scoring more touchdowns as long as he cuts down on the mistakes. The Bills threaten for a winning record. The problem is, will 9-7 and seven be enough? There's where the problem lies. You got to deal with the AFC West with the Chiefs and the Chargers, both of whom should threaten for double-digit wins. You have to deal with the Jets, the Browns, the Ravens, the Steelers, the entirety of the AFC South. It's going to be tough. And maybe they. this is the year that I can see an AFC team going 10-6 and six and not making the playoffs. Could that be Buffalo? If they go 10-6 and six and make the playoffs, are you mad? I would probably say no. If they go 10-6 and six and they don't make the playoffs, it better be off of some silly tiebreaker. I guess I should say. Because if you end up losing a game to a team, for example, that does manage to take the spot over you and you lost a head-to-head, say it was Cleveland, and you lost to them head-to-head and Cleveland makes the playoffs and Buffalo doesn't, well, that's on you. You got to win that game. And then, therefore, this season could be looked at as a little bit of a disappointment. But I think that if you get to 10-6, and 
you're putting yourself in a better position than certainly what the Bills have done in the past two decades. Maybe that's that low expectation thing that Joe did a show about last week. I still think, though, that if you put yourself into 10-6, and you're generally putting yourself into a good spot. What do you like to see from this Bills team this season? How does it feel to uh, really have a team with expectations for once under Sean McDermott? That's the interesting thing to me. That is what I really would like to see for this is I'm excited to see what Sean McDermott does with a team that is supposed to start winning games. They've got their roster that they want now finally after three seasons. This means that this is going to be a prove-it year, so to say, for Sean McDermott and for Brandon B. You guys put together the vision that you wanted now. Let's see what happens. 8030550, Bills camp is coming, guys. It's this week. Let's see what you got. See what you like about it. Camp battles. What do you what do you want to see? Is it the offensive line? Are you paying attention to the receivers? Because there's a lot going on there. And we'll talk about them next segment. What about the running backs? Is McCoy Cook to you? Do you think that they drafted Singletary and it was a waste of a pick? Do you think that Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon, one of those guys is possibly getting cut. Who knows? There's only one way to find out, and that's because training camp starts Thursday. And Howard and Jeremy will be broadcasting from training camp on Thursday morning. So you better be ready for that. Those guys will be. It's a nightcap, Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell. We'll talk more Bills Camp on the other side of the break. You're listening to WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. guy that I think is going to be most equipped and primed to take advantage of the space and the guy with the biggest feeling in terms of being a long-term fixture here, guy that's got chemistry with Josh Allen already, is Robert Foster. If there's a receiver that I believe is going to have a good statistical season of all of these guys, I think it's going to be Foster. Joe Marino of the Draft Network. Talking about some of the best fits with the receivers and the fact that Foster has some chemistry with Josh Allen and how that could give him an edge in making the team on a roster spot for this season. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, we're hanging out with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. As Bill's training camp gets started this week, rookies reported today. Vets will report Wednesday. And camp practices start Thursday morning. We have done it. We made it. We are back. Football is back. It's only practice right now. Yeah, we're talking about practice. But 
it's back. We did it. We're here. So I'm about to put a Twitter poll up that you can uh, you can hang out and check out on on Twitter. And the poll is this: Would ten and six, but no playoffs, and some weird tiebreaker upset you for the Bills this season? Yes or no or anything else you want to explain in that? That's fine. But it's an interesting thought: is if the Bills do go ten and six and they don't make the postseason, it may feel like a wasted year because of the fact that how often do we see the Bills go ten and six? But with how stacked the AFC could be, in particular with the AFC West, does going 10-6 and mean something to you? Like, man, that was a pretty good season, except that we didn't make the playoffs. How bad does it hurt is the, is the major thing about that for me. The expectations are there this season, and the optimist can go ahead and pick a team to go 10-6 and here for Buffalo, and... It doesn't really seem that crazy. The only question is going to be, will 10-6 and six get it done? Because New England's going to take that division because Tom Brady's just the devil. By the way, do you see that today? About there's no talks about a, an extension for Tom Brady yet? Why is he talking about an extension? Can he just go away? It doesn't look like it, does it? No. Go away. I'm sick of you. Everyone, everyone except for the city of Boston and the greater area and bandwagon Patriots fans are sick of seeing you, Tom Brady. Go away. Go jump off of waterfalls with your kids and just retire. Just stop playing football. I've had enough. Please. Because I want 10 and 6 to actually be able to be a threat to take the division. I want the Bills to be able to have double-digit wins and not have to question, okay, where are they playing on the road? I don't want to have to question if 10-6 and six somehow isn't going to be enough this season. So go away, Tom Brady. You're stupid and I hate you. He's probably not stupid, but I'm salty. A text coming in. If we go 10-6, and six, I'm psyched. It's a sign of greater hints to come of greater things to come, playoffs or not, that is a win for me. But at the same time, I would like to agree with that sentiment. The problem for me, though, is kind of like you know how the Sabres had that awesome 10-game win streak and you looked like everything was looking fine. It almost seems like it's a wasted season because you were there. And in order to go 10-6 and and miss the playoffs, that means you messed something up in a tiebreaker. It means you lost to somebody who probably took your spot. Or, by God, you lose to a team that you shouldn't have lost to, say like the Giants, and that managed to be the one that trips you up and makes sure that you don't go to the playoffs. Because 10-6 and six would be a rather thrilling season for this team. Because like the text says, going 10-6, and six, that means a sign of things to come. It means that Josh Allen did take a step in order to get to 10 wins. The defense was fine. The offense did improve. But that should also mean you take advantage. And that's something that we've seen Bills teams in the past fail at doing. And that hurts. 
that would probably hurt to be that first team out sort of thing. Because that means that something happened to cause them to not make it. Whatever it was, it wasn't good enough. Now, if you go 11-5, and like the one season that the Patriots hadn't made the playoffs when Tom Brady got hurt, and yet you still go 11-5 and and don't make the playoffs, that's just, that's just weird. And I don't see that ever happening again. I just think that if you make it to 10-6 and and you still don't make the playoffs, if you make it to 9-7 and and 9-7 and is the cutoff for the playoffs, I think it just hurts. And, yeah, I'm used to that. I'm a Bills and Sabres fan, but that doesn't mean that that should be okay. I feel like it is playoffs or bust, and maybe that's because of the fact that there's actually expectations this year. Sean McDermott took a ragtag team of guys that really, in a roster that really shouldn't have had any business of sniffing the postseason, and he got them there. There were some ugly losses in that, but yet they still bounced back, took care of their business, and that's the biggest thing. Yeah, you needed a miracle play in a Baltimore-Cincinnati game to help get you there, but we've seen Bills teams, particularly under Rex Ryan, where if you win your games and you take care of your business, you should be in the playoffs. The Bills did that in that first year with Sean McDermott. They won those last they won the two out of the last three. That one loss being against New England because, well, New England and Tom Brady and go away forever. But I want this team to be able to take care of its business. I want this team to be able to make the playoffs. And I want to be able to expect it. Because this staff has shown me that they can do more with less. Now you've got more. Let's see more. You ever tried reverse psychology on Tom Brady? What? Asking him to stay around forever? Has anyone ever tried that? No. Should you? Well, yeah. I get it because what what what's what's the worst that can happen? He stays. And they win another... Just a thought. It's the year 2030 and Tom Brady has his 11th Super Bowl ring. I hate you. In 2030, we may have a way for him to get an 11th finger. Yeah, I'm not trying reverse psychology. I just hate him. I respect him, but I hate him. I I get it. It's worth a shot. You know what? You try it, Kyle. You try it. Because I'm not doing it. I'm I'm sick of Tom Brady. I'm sick of Tom Brady, and I'm sick of the New Patriots, and I'm sick of Bill Belichick, and I'm sick of the smarmy Boston. This was a mistake. You were all fired up and happy today for the Bills. I should never have done that to you. I apologize. Because they're like, oh, man, there's one-year-olds that haven't experienced a Boston parade. Go piss off a bridge. Listen, they're starved, okay? (laughs) Come on. Long time. Yeah, one time, sure, whatever. I'm glad that the Bruins lost. I don't care if it means Ryan O'Reilly won. Shove it, Boston. I would like to see the Bills actually just beat New England for the division while Tom Brady's there, but come on, I'm not made out of uh, dreams here. I'm not taking hallucinogens. It's not going to happen. Not like that. Even if it does, well... (laughs) Truth be told, the way the AFC is shaping out, though, that's the easiest way to get to the playoffs. By beating New England, for rather the jump one team than oh, what did you mention? Like oh, I know. Seven or Joe eight? did a Joe did a show about this, and 
people still think that it's more realistic, and I don't blame them, beating out six or seven teams for one of the two wildcard spots. It's it's math. It's unforgiving and unrelenting math, but it's there. Oh, I know. Yeah. But the other problem is, is that door number two requires you to actually beat the Patriots for the division, which the Bills have not done when Tom Brady took over. I said I was going to talk about the wide receivers. Then we kind of got derailed because that's literally what I do. So, thanks, Kyle. You you played into my bit. I guess. I'm blaming you. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit by blaming you? Yeah. Just like low-hanging fruit that I'm kind of a putz. Yes, I know. Yes, riveting radio here. We're making fun of ourselves. The wide receiver group, though, is fairly interesting to me. When it comes to the quote-unquote locks on the roster, I really see three. I see John Brown, I see Cole Beasley, and I see Robert Foster. I'm calling Robert Foster a lock because of the fact that he has shown that he can produce. He does have some chemistry with Josh Allen, and he's stupid fast. Stupid fast at the very least gets you a bottom of the roster spot. It's going to be interesting to see what next step Robert Foster takes. If Zay Jones can actually continue on a development here and look a little more secure, that means that there's one roster spot, possibly two, for the rest of these receivers. Duke Williams is an interesting prospect, but I don't think he's played much in special teams. He's either going to have to learn it and do it well to have a chance at a spot, or he's going to have to straight up beat Zay Jones or Robert Foster for a roster spot. Ray Ray McLeod is a guy that you drafted last year, and you know it was a it was kind of one of those project picks late in the draft. Andre Roberts is a guy that he has a lot of special teams value, particularly as a returner. And the Bills' return game the last couple of years hasn't been great. David Sills is an interesting prospect, a guy that a lot of fans seem to be gravitating towards. He was a standout at West Virginia. The Bills are going to lose an interesting prospect. It's going to happen. So for the love of God, do not try to Brandon Riley it with the calls and the anger when someone gets cut because it's going to happen. You're going to lose an interesting prospect. That's going to be the reality of something for this preseason, for this season. The Bills are going to lose something interesting at wide receiver. Not necessarily great, but interesting. So, I don't want to hear it. I don't want Brandon Riley anger revisited. No, who am I kidding? It's going to happen anyway. But the biggest thing about this wide receiver group is that outside of the promise that Robert Foster showed, there's no superstar here for this team at the receiver core. Is that going to be a problem for this offense? I think no. Because John Brown is a guy, he's a speedster. Robert Foster is a speedster. Those guys will play well to Josh Allen's strengths. Cole Beasley is a guy who can get you separation. Something that your receiving core last year was sorely lacking. Because yeah, Josh Allen might miss the occasional open receiver, but more times than not, if Cole Beasley is giving you more space to throw him the football, that means he's going to catch it. 
That means that Allen's going to miss less frequently because Beasley's going to be that open. Yeah, he's going to be an absolute godsend. I saw enough of him in Dallas. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a problem for defensive backs. And really, you looked at how often Josh Allen had to throw into an extremely tight window with this receiver group. Separation skills are a very underrated trait for a receiver. That's why I love Debo Samuel coming into the draft this past year. He's one of those guys that can get that separation. Cole Beasley is one of those guys that can get that separation. John Brown can get you that separation. And that might be more important than straight line speed. Foster can do that and get separation that way, but you can roll safeties deep for that. Beasley and Brown are going to give you problems, Beasley in particular. And that, I think, allows the Bills' offense to really be able to hopefully shine a little bit more. Tight end's an interesting thing because Tyler Croft is on the pup. Dawson Knox might be getting more starter snaps than you'd think or expect coming into the season. Lee Smith is not going to do anything other than block for you. If I think there's, what, a bet between Joe and Mike? Yes, Joe and Mike, about five catches being the line for Lee Smith. <laughs> Joe, Joe's got the under on his five catches for Lee Smith. Mike's taking the over on that. And honestly, I don't know if I like the over. <laughs> but if you can get some production out of the tight end group, that would help. Charles Clay was rather overpaid. He was decent, but very overpaid. The only thing is that, you know, injuries were plaguing him and he was just decent and that contract was not going to mesh. I'm still looking forward to what this receiver group brings for this season. And we all get our first glimpse of it on Thursday. Makes you feel good. Makes you feel all warm and fuzzy outside. And inside. Because it's actually warm outside. Bills camp, get started Thursday morning. And by the way, make sure you hit up the website. Sal Capaccio will be down there. He'll be giving his latest on the website at WGR550.com. Coverage of Bills training camp on WGR. It's presented by m Bank, the official bank of the Buffalo Bills. Also brought to you by Fiegel Car and Joyce, your border attorneys. By the Lockport Outdoor Store, high impact gear for hardworking men and women. And by New York's only outlet liquor when you need to stock up. It's the place to buy a case. We'll talk a little bit more Bills training camp. We'll talk a little Sabres as well with the Evan Rodriguez thing, the report from Elliot Friedman about the arbitration, what the Sabres offered, what Rodriguez's camp has offered, and what does it mean with Evan Rodriguez and what does it mean with the fit for this team because there's still probably a big move left for this team in the roster with all those defensemen still. What do you think? You want to give us a call? Go for it at 803-0550. I almost forgot the number there. You can also text us, 550-550, or hit us up on Twitter, at DerekKramer49, or you can also, you can bother Kyle if you want. That's Kyle, hang on, Kyle underscore Powell, too. This is the Nightcap. Thanks for hanging out. This is WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Hour one, closing up. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, we're in for the Sneaky Joe tonight. So thanks for hanging out with us here on WGR. 
Bills training camp is around the corner, and I can't be more excited. I am looking at position battles along the offensive line and receivers, the running backs, and everything like that. Even the cornerbacks are interesting to me. Like I'm a dork with this sort of thing. I live for training camp battles. It's probably why I'm single. But anyway, I really do think that having expectations for the first time under this regime is a really refreshing change of pace. Because these first two years were kind of like happy-go-lucky. Like, yeah, you know, let's see what the Bills do here. Uh, Well, the first year was, oh, the Bills are tanking, and they make the playoffs. The second season is kind of, it's just more about Josh Allen, and it's not really about the team's record. And now, for me, it's, let's get back to the playoffs. Because, first off, that week, leading up to that Bills-Jaguars wildcard game, that week was amazing. It was one of the coolest things I ever experienced working here. From celebrating out in the newsroom and screaming like maniacs while Bulldogs doing the post game. Because the Ravens managed to choke. To seeing Howard and Jeremy the next morning. And they are just jumping for joy before the show. And hearing everybody with how thrilled they were that the drought was broken. They're finally in the playoffs. Let's actually make the playoffs and have some expectations to score more than three points this time. You've put the roster together that, you know, it's time to go. Let's do this thing. And I don't think that I'm too crazy to go ahead and expect that the Bills should be contending for the playoffs. Your defense is legit, and if your quarterback is worth a damn that you took seventh overall, then that means he better take the next step. And if he takes the next step, that means that the team is better. That means that the team is a playoff contender. I'm sick of hanging out at four and six in the hunt. No. Let's really make this for real. You want to be contenders for the playoffs? You want to be guys that threaten to make the postseason on a yearly basis? Well, it starts here. It starts Thursday. And I encourage fans to take the leap. Let's go. Enough with this, oh, it's the Bills. If they have a winning record, you should just shut up narrative. No, it's time to actually feel like this team should go somewhere. We shouldn't just happily take 9-7 and seven and just be quiet. We shouldn't just happily take 8-8 eight and eight like, oh, it's more wins than last year. No. For me, I'm ready to go ahead and say I'm at playoffs or bust. Let's do this. Because otherwise, Allen becomes on the hot seat. McDermott comes on the hot seat. Bean comes on the hot seat. Because it's about making the postseason. You've put the roster together that you want. With the personalities in the locker room and the talent that you want. The style that you want. It's time to go. So let's do this. 8030551-888-552-550 if you want to join in on that conversation. Meanwhile, back on Saturday, Sneaky Joe hosted Sports Talk Saturday and talked with Chris Chapasso. It was a really good interview, and I feel like you should be able to hear that back. That's coming up next right here on the Nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Apollo. Thanks for listening and hanging out. You're listening to WGR. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. T Mobile.com.